1: State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports, your home for all things combat audio, and right here, right now, Mixed Martial Arts Edition, deep in your ear hole, (laughs) getting you fired up with that one and only performance, enhancing audio, the Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear, I'm off the plane, I'm back from Vegas, trying to brush off the jet lag, all the grime, all the moral corruption going on in that city but we also saw some great fights from UFC 245 we're gonna jump into that and so much more preview the weekend to come the last UFC card of the year from Busan South Korea a doubleheader for Bellator in Hawaii as well and joining me to mash all of this up is the man with the most sculpted abs in South Florida He's the former UFC light heavyweight champion, earthquake survivor, and Hall of Famer extraordinaire, Sugar Rashad Evans. Yeah, man.
0: What's going on, BCA? Hey, your titles for me every time gets better and better. I, I look forward every week for you for a new title to be added. The best abs in Florida now. I yeah,
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs> take that. Our 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 cohort Brandon Wise on a bye week this week. Uh, I wonder how he's doing with this Connecticut cold, Rashad. You know, you, you got to wonder at this
0: point. Well, right? I'm I, w- I want to tell you, uh, I don't imagine well, especially. I mean, it's pretty cold and and it's very nice out here. I'm sure he's missing South Florida a lot right now.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, we're a lot to get into today big wins at you big card big ass card UFC 245 you were you were there for uh, ESPN is that a true fact
0: yes sir yes right, sir yep, right. uh, uh, up on the cans that's two in that. a row
1: for big Rashad how's the uh, how's the broadcasting life going for you
0: it's going pretty good I'm getting my broadcasting legs under me I'm knocking out the stutters I'm getting more fluid you know with my talk uh I enjoy it
1: all right did you spend the night helping uh Colby's jaw Get back together in one piece. No, no, come on. There's no time for that. We don't have that. We don't have that. All right. We got a lot coming your way, folks. Reminder, it's the holiday season, so I don't care what you celebrate. Why don't you celebrate with us by giving us that gift of your five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download fine audio. Thank you. Okay? We want to give you all these great episodes. Give back a little bit this year. Do us that solid next week. Is... Christmas week a lot of people be celebrating we'll be hitting you up with a year ending awards edition at some day at some form so be on the lookout for that but today it's your boy BC it's Rashad we're going to break it all down a lot to dive into on the fallout of UFC 245 big news in the past few minutes as well Rory McDonald has a new home we're going to get to all of that and then some right after we stop and pause for a word from our friends and sponsors yeah dig it And we're back, B.C., Rashad, the Sugar Man, back at it, ready to go. Rashad, I don't want to waste any more time of our listeners' uh quality time here, whether they're you know, in the car on the way to the grocery store here. Uh Who's the damn MVP from UFC 245 in Las Vegas? Both of, the, of us were there on the ground. This was a wild night of fights that entertained me, got me fired up. Who's the big winner in your eyes?
0: I, I got to go with Usman. Usman has to be the big winner. I mean, to uh, to come out of that beef the the way he did, and to come out and finish the fight—not only just beat him, but to finish a fight uh, against a very game, a very tough um, Colby Covington—it it was uh, that that was the MVP performance to me.
1: This was a a very, very interesting fight. A sneaky fight of the year contender from the standpoint of it was nearly 25 minutes of just straight action. But my shocker, Rashad, was that it was 25 minutes of straight boxing. And it was basically two guys saying, I think I'm tougher. I think my gas tank's a little bit better. I think I can... Strike a little bit better. So why don't we just, you know, run into each other for five rounds and see who's the last man standing. To what you said, Kamara Usman proved a lot. I thought he landed the bigger shots. I thought overall performed slightly better. Although I'm here to tell you, Colby Covington did show me a hell of a lot of toughness. But talk to me. I know you're you're, you're close with Kamaru. Was, do you, was that a decision you think both guys made before the fight even started? That I know we're both wrestlers, but forget about it canceling out. This is a grudge war. This is just about punching you in the damn mouth.
0: Yeah, I think both of those guys. You know, here's the reality. You know, a wrestling match is only six minutes, maybe seven minutes at the most. You know what I'm saying? Depends on where you're wrestling at. And there's a reason for that because you can't wrestle longer than that effectively and and have proper motor function and move properly if you're going to wrestle longer than that. You can't wrestle that high of a pace for that long. And these guys are fighting for 25 minutes. So at that point, they're like thinking, you know what? I can go out here and I probably can take them down. i probably get one takedown, but it's going to be a fight. And I don't know how I'm going to be when I get back up to my feet because at that point, you're going to be in an energy deficit. So I think the whole not wanting to wrestle or not going to the wrestle for both of them was a decision that they made because it was about energy preservation and how they were going to use that energy more effective. I think that if they would have seen an opportunistic takedown, Each of them would have took it. But for the most part, when it came to earning it and putting the guy against the cage and grinding out a very hard takedown, that was going to be a hard takedown because both of these guys use technically the same formula to get the guy down on the ground. So they know what they look for when they take a guy down so they know what to defend. So that would have been a very, very hard takedown. So I think it was just an economical fight by both of them.
1: Uh, economical, but high fricking pace the whole oh, yeah. damn time. I was wondering, is somebody going to gas here? And we really never saw that. And there were periods. Uh, at least three of those first four rounds were just insane pace. I mean, just like trying to keep up. Me doing a, a cage side play by play at CBS Sports dot com is just like uh lead left hand uppercut right hand jab. It was just. I mean, it was just madness. Uh, Seriously, how much respect do you have both of these guys to be able to put on that fight that they did? Because, you know, I I wouldn't have guessed it went exactly just like that, but it was damn good theater.
0: I have a lot of respect for both of those guys because I know what it's like to put your your foot on a line and go in there with a guy that you have that much animosity for. Just the animosity alone for it can win you. You know, walking to the cage, I'm out of breath already, just because the excitement of what you're about to do and who you're about to fight and all the talk that went, went into it can do that. It happened to me when I fought uh, Rampage. It happened to me when I fought John Jones. It's always that minute where you got to take a minute to exhale and be like, okay, this is just a fight. Now I got to get into my X's and O's, and this is about me executing my technique. You know, and and that's when you start to settle into the fight. And both of those guys did that relatively early. And I was really surprised because you you know, I felt that when they uh when they met into the center of the octagon in the beginning of the fight when they didn't shake hands or dap up, I just felt like they were coming out with that same energy. And even in between every single round that they got done from beating a stuffing out of each other, they still had something to jaw at each other about. It was amazing.
1: I I saw from my own eyes, and in, in from you know this from having great seats at many fights. Sometimes you can see things so much better cage side than you can on TV. Sometimes you end up missing stuff because of the angles, the cameraman in the corner, all that stuff. I saw with my own eyes two moments where I thought Colby got rocked by big right hands, and I think for the most part, I would have been fine if this went to the scorecards scoring this four rounds to one or three rounds to two for Usman if it ended up getting there, because I thought he the striking was fairly even in terms of volume, in terms of accuracy and in combinations. I just thought Kamara was landing the bigger shots throughout. Did you have that same feeling?
0: Yeah, he was. And, and his pressure that he was putting into, you know, um, I think that was the biggest difference. You know, Colby doesn't necessarily fight well going backwards. And sometimes when he was going back, that's when Kamara was was pretty much running it on him, and it was that jab that was leading leading the way. You know, he was getting behind that jab, and it was really having its effect on the whole right side of Kobe's face. You know, it was starting to swell up substantially, and, and that was when Kamara was getting behind it, but with the pressure on top of it. But, you know, Kamara did um, allow Kobe to 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 get in there because sometimes, you know, it seemed like he would just he he would uh take a take a break behind getting behind a jab, meaning the fact that he wasn't throwing. Uh, he will go to the bot, he'll go jab, then he'll go to the body, but then he wasn't coming back with nothing to the head. And he did that too many times in a row. And then Kobe started to counter that and started going to his head. And it was, um, it was amazing. It really was.
1: It really was. I wonder if there were moments where, because this happened to us as fans and journalists, where, you know, if the, if you told me ahead of time it's going to be a five round boxing match for the most part, there was some kicking, some leg kicking, not not really much. There was some good body kicks from Colby, no, nothing too serious though. Basically a boxing match. I would have guessed that Camaro knocked him out, and now in the end he did, right? But look, he knocked him out in the final minute of a of a thrilling bout. I never would have thought that Colby had, well, certainly that. Elite, elite, elite level toughness to be able to go through a broken jaw in round three. His face grotesquely swollen, really bad cut under his eye. And yet at the time of the stoppage with 50 seconds to go in the fifth round, he wanted more. He was upset about it. You know, he ran out of the cage, which, by the way, is on brand. I'm not necessarily against that for the sort of dick character that he plays. But I wonder if there was any points for Kamaru. And I wonder if you thought this while watching this where he's just like, oh, man, this guy Colby maybe is everything he said he was from the standpoint of toughness and gas tank because there was not a second that he backed down or took a step backwards.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, to your assessment, I thought the same thing. You know, I thought that this fight was going to come down to who had the most dog in him. And I thought for sure that um, Kamaru had dog in him. But I, I honestly would would say this. I kind of felt as if, like, Kobe has a little bit of pretend dog in him. That's what I felt like yes. before the fight because I felt as if like um Kobe is an awesome competitor. And sometimes you see these competitors come into the sport and they do really well because they're good competitors. Now, there's a difference between competing and 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 fighting. You know what I'm saying? Uh when you're a competitor, you you uh you know, that's more of like a momentum type thing, you know. You you have a you have a, when things are going your way, you can seize the opportunities and you and you compete well. But the fight comes in there when you have to go in a situation where your back's against the wall and you're kind of getting your butt kicked in a fight, and you find a way to get like you can find that dog in you. And I didn't think that Kobe had that, but when he sat on that stool and said my jaw's broke, I was like, okay, he's about to quit. And then he came out and then he got tougher and tougher, I was like, oh, this guy got some dog in him. So I was tremendously impressed with that. But I was also impressed with the fact that Kamaro didn't, he didn't, Um, he didn't relent. He didn't say, oh, wow, this guy's not fading. Maybe, you know, and start getting insecure in himself. He just kept, okay, I'm going to keep chipping away. And that's what he did.
1: Yeah, and I got the feeling that they will see each other again in a fight. I also felt like Colby was absolutely... You know, uh, elevated from this defeat, from the way he handled it, toughness and all that. Uh, if you're the matchmakers though, if you're in that room, two doors down from Dana's office there in that PI and it's the draft board room and they got all the rankings and all, and that's when they're hashing out the next big fight. Uh, I made this case in the instant analysis pod late Saturday. I mean, it's Usman Masvidal or it's nothing from my point of view. Where do you stand on where Kamaru should and maybe will go next?
0: I I'm, I'm with you as well too. I'm with you as well. You know, um I think that is the fight to make. Uh if you're, you know, Mazra, he's got the hottest hand right now besides Camaro. you know, and um you know, he he's he's been able to capture people's minds and, and their imagination with the way his fighting style and just his overall, you know, candor. You know, he's just he's just been very um j- just somebody you want to want to give an opportunity to. So I think them him and Kamaru is a perfect, perfect, perfect match, and then you know allow Kobe to go and and lick his wounds and uh, and fight his way back. And I think that you know in a couple fights, you know we, we may see this again. We may see Kobe lining up to fight Kamaru again, and you know by that time the 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 pitch of of uh, of Kobe should be back to where we're used to hearing it. You know what I'm saying? Because he should have established the confidence back into his game with two of those fights. So it's, it's the 170 weight class is looking. The best is looking in a long time.
1: It is. And when you add that element of the, the BMF and the whole floater thing of guys that kind of can make lightweight or welterweight for a big fight, you have a lot of potential for fun matchups. I mean, you know, we talk about Colby being elevated. Like I legitimately thought when Colby finally loses, that it would be like the end of the myth. I know in hindsight, it's not really the smartest theory because, you know, Colby's a great wrestler. He's proving time and again that he's elite. Like I wouldn't have guessed that he would have beaten Maya or RDA or Robbie Lawler. So he's showing you each step. I just thought when he finally lost, it would be spectacular. It would be like soul crushing. It would be almost like, okay, now back down to the, uh, to the contenders period. But suddenly by the way he fought, I don't know which direction he goes next. Probably more likely he goes back to the drawing board, faces somebody coming off a defeat, gets back in the title picture. But if you wanted to just use his brand and make the McGregor-level, the Diaz-brother-level fights that are just like, oh, let's put two guys together who can talk and love to fight, and let's do this, I think he's in that class now. Now, the numbers would have to back him up, and we don't really get access to the pay-per-view numbers these days under the new ESPN deal. But I just think when you go and look like YouTube views for the countdown shows, the ones with Colby dominated anything else this weekend.
0: Yeah. And and that just shows, you know, Colby is, is definitely must see TV. And to your point, I felt the same way. I felt like after he got this fight and he got exposed a little bit, it would just expose him in general, but it, it you know, to the contrary, it actually, you know, showed that, that he is, he is everything that, that, um, he says he is competitively and probably even more than he says competitively because competitively speaking, you know, he doesn't really talk about how dope, how good he is on that level. He just talks nonsense. You know what I'm saying? But I think that, um, you know, all all his his shenanigans outside the cage, people can, you know, like, OK, I mean, he talks crazy, but you you cannot deny the fact that this boy has a lot of squabble in him. a lot.
1: All right, I'm going to ask you a loaded question. You, you train with Kamaru, you're friends with him, but you know this game. What does this do to his pound for pound ranking? Where is he carving himself out now? You know, personally for me, I still like Habib at one, John Jones at two. I've had Max Holloway up high for a long time. He's going to be, we're going to be talking about his defeat in a second. Where are you sliding Usman in there in, in comparison to the best in the game right now?
0: Man, I, w- I would put him at least. I got him at least in my top five, top three right now, just because of the fact that, you know, you know, he's got what, a 10, 11 fight, 11 wins in a row, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's looking dominating in every single performance that, that we have seen him. in. you know, this, this fight was the first fight that we seen him lose around. And, um, you know, th- I mean, that, that, that's hard considering the landscape that he just, he, he's in right now. So, I definitely think you you have to put him in at pound for pound within the top five. Um, you know, it, it can either be you know Habib, John Jones, uh, you know, T- uh, Kamaru, You know, yeah. The, I
1: mean, you got Cejudo's so lingering right around there. Um, you know, so people overrate. I think sometimes people overrate uh, heavyweights and put Stipe up a little too high, but he's certainly in that picture. Adesanya, I think, is right in my top five. Uh, Kamaro belongs with those guys. It's it's just, it's just I absolutely it's agree. It's legit. Yeah. Uh, he's number eight on the UFC's pound for pound, but that's a little uh, weird. Not only do they have women in there, but uh, I don't know who's doing these UFC rankings. I usually have many. That's, many that's
0: weird that they have the women in. It. I mean, listen, we we all play in the same sport, but at the end of the day, this is the only sport that they. They do that.
1: Yeah, that, that is that is uh, bizarre there. But uh rolling forward to this co-main event from UFC 245, um, I talked big on this last week because I had a one-on-one with Alexander Volkanovsky who wins the featherweight title, ending that epic 14-fight win streak in the division for Max Holloway. I had a one-on-one at media day, Rashad, with Alexander Volkanovsky. And I've never been so wowed by somebody's confidence. Now, I've interviewed a million boxers and MMA guys ahead of a big fight, right? And, and there's times when people are just balls out confidence like you know i remember robert guerrero telling me he's gonna knock floyd mayweather out and me having to go like no, i know in my head he has no chance but that's he sounds pretty damn confident right here this was a different level of confidence because volkanovski told me how he was gonna beat max told me that he has an iq like nobody else in the sport told me that he like uh, luke thomas uses the word audit that he basically has broken down every inch of Max's game ahead of time and knows exactly what he's going to do to neutralize him in ways that nobody else at 145 has been able to do. And then he went out there and did it exactly like he told me. And it's weird Rashad, because when he beat Jose Aldo, I was almost questioned afterwards, like did Jose quit, man? He wasn't even trying. What a crap performance. Then to hear Volkanovsky tell my casual eyes uh, or my ears. No dude, I took away every single thing that he normally does and left him without an answer. Is this guy some kind of wizard, Rashad? What the heck's going on here? This was a monster breakout performance. Like a, I thought he was this level good. No, no, no. He's he he's a friggin' amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. Actually, you know, I was feeling the same way because I was I was um I was looking at his interviews and I was seeing how confident he was, and um, I watched a lot of his fights, but I just couldn't see it. I just couldn't see why he was so confident. Not saying that he didn't have what it. With the tools to beat Max, but what what I didn't see was this right here. You know, he didn't have a strong lead hand. He didn't have a strong jab hand. You know, he does have an active, um, active left kick. He can throw it high. He can throw it inside left kick. But it it, to me that wasn't enough to be able to keep Max at bay. You know, I felt as if he he needed to have more. um, Then he came with that outside leg kick, and that completely changed everything that that outside leg kick that right outside leg kick once he ate that right the uh the left side uh kick of Max it completely took away Max's striking game Max was no longer able to move forward with his you know um his progression of punches he had to go to his his, his other side and his other side although it is pretty clean it, it is technically good but it's not what the other side is right you know, and and you got to really see that he had a really hard time of of finding that rhythm of finding that pace going from that that southpaw stance, and that was all due to those leg kicks that Volkanovski landed early, and then at that point he was able to just find his shots and and pretty much control the pace of Max, and that that wowed me because that showed, like you said, that IQ. And it's
1: crazy because if if I ever imagined somebody beating Max, you're always thinking, okay going to have to be a slugger that knocks him out, but oh, here's the problem. Max has like, you know, an, an elite level, all-time great chin, and he always shows it. Number two, you're like, okay, well, maybe if somebody can finally take him down, well, nobody takes down Max Holloway, not even Volkanovsky in this fight. And then you're like, three, all right, somebody's just got to out-max Max one day, come out there and just throw volume, control distance, do all this stuff. He didn't do any of that necessarily. He did a little bit of some of those elements, but I just never would have imagined because of how smart Max is, because Max is legitimate, pound for pound, 28 years old, building an all-time great resume, and it's not just the speed or the power. Like, Max is a complete... Champion that, that one day when he walks away, we're gonna be like, man, we watched someone special in this era. So I never would have guessed, Rashad, that there was going to be someone who comes along that can beat him by rewiring the computer, by short-circuiting him, by essentially... Now, look, I had that front row seat, so you're below the fighting surface. And I was really able to pick up on some of the visuals on the angles of just how well Volkanovsky was doing to control distance and feinting. And nobody controls distance on Max Holloway. That's what he does, right? And I think some of it was... You know, Volkanovsky had a sneaky long reach, two and a half inches longer than Holloway, but it was that constant fainting and footwork. Like, like you said, you know he's good, but can he do that to a reigning champion who's one of the three best fighters in the whole damn sport? I didn't think it was going to be able to work that good, but it's showing me that, you know, I always wonder, Rashad, we're 25 years into the sport, right? But like most of those years are archaic. Most of those years are like, you know, uh, kick you in the kick, knock people's teeth out. Hoist Gracie, (laughs) the only guy that really knows what he's doing. And then you had the wrestling era. And now we finally have mixed martial artists. I didn't think there was going to be a new level of evolution or at least not for a while. And I just saw things on Saturday in this fight that I hadn't that I hadn't picked up on before in this, the true science of this fight game and to see it done at the very elite level. And again, Volk- it's not like Volkanovski hurt Max. It's not like he dominated him five rounds to nothing, although one of the judges did have it that way. Uh, this was a relatively close and competitive fight because Max made excellent adjustments and went southpaw and had had some good moments. But with all that said, I just didn't think he would be able to do this, and it was like the ease and the calm that he had in doing it was no different than the ease and the calm in the interview I had with him where he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to win this. You're going to see. They're not ready for this style. So is this just like a new generation of smart people down there in Australia or New Zealand? Or, or I mean, you know, you see analytics come in and change basketball and baseball. Are we going into a new chapter here in MMA?
0: I think so. You know, I think I think we're we're moving into to the era of the um, the uh the proficient stand up striker. You know, that that's able to do everything well to be able to keep the fight where where he wants to. And and city boxing does a really really good job of that because these guys at city boxing their stand up is elite elite. You know, these guys are are um you know dissecting different movements and different nuances in the sport that are is yet to still be. Uncovered by the rest of us, you know, and you can see that with um some of the drills that they do, you know, I follow a couple of the guys on social media just in in some of the drills that they do you know I don't really see you know I, I've never done those drills before and they they seem fairly new, but they're old striking drills that that they've you know done for so long uh back out back there, you know, and they're you know putting in a little m m a twist on them so you you're seeing the the genius and the brilliance that was in that whole kickboxing era out there and, you know, out there in Australia and New Zealand starting to play out on a mixed martial arts world.
1: Very impressive stuff. And I feel like, again, I feel like these two will see each other down the road again. And like Max said afterwards, look, uh, uh, you know, I'm 28 years old. I'll be, I'm going to be back. Like, like, what, what do you expect? It is what it is. I lost. Max
0: is in- only 28 years old. It's crazy. Wow. It's crazy. 28. That's it.
1: Um, this is an interesting division, too, because it's like, man, I'd love to see Volkanovsky against... Uh, Ortega, man. I'd love to see him against, you know, a couple different styles. Uh, I don't know if he can do this forever because people are going to start watching the tape on him. People are going to start to having to evolve. But for right now, he's a damn good fighter. And, and like I said, coming out, I'm like, okay, he can wrestle. I've seen him. I've seen him with pop, but I've also seen him sort of get hit before by guys. This was just a like everything went perfect.
0: Well, I th- I think the thing is with him, you know, he's he's coming from that big 210 and 215, and even though he's not that size now, you still remember what it's like to carry on that weight. You still remember what it's like to bump around with guys that size. And for him, in his mind, he feels like these guys are smaller than him. Even though he's going to the fight sometimes, being the smaller fighter, in his mind's eye, he still views himself as the bigger guy. And he goes out there and he fights like the bigger guy.
1: That's true, that's true. Could you imagine that the... The chess of him and Zabit for the title. I mean, there's some fun fights you can make here, Rashad.
0: There's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of fun fights. A lot of fun fights.
1: Uh, I want to get your take on Amanda Nunes' uh, Bantamweight title defense. Unanimous decision over Jermaine Durand to me. I've got nothing but great things to say about the toughness, the survival instincts, the, oh, my God, did she just hurt Amanda moments that GDR gave us in this fight? Because Jermaine could have crumbled at many points in here. But there was a weird sort of debate that spun out of this, Rashad, where, look, Amanda's amazing. She's the damn GOAT. She wrestled GDR at will. She made it look like me taking my 11-year-old kids down to the ground. But did she play it safe? And if the answer is yes, are you okay with her just saying, look, I, I can't lose the fight if I keep doing this way. I don't need to get up kicked out of nowhere and get knocked cold and lose everything. How did you sort of gauge those last two and a half rounds when Amanda got booed and she was just sort of fine with top position? Let's go to the let's let's go to the scorecards. Uh,
0: at that moment, I just I I, I realized at that moment that um, GDR had 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 achieved her goal, which is um, a make Amanda Nunes respect her, and and she went out there and she she respected her because for the most part. Uh she rocked Amanda. She rocked Amanda a lot and she, you know, gave Amanda a lot of pause. Even even when she was uh like when she when she even had her on the ground, it wasn't like a total, I'm gonna completely dominate you on the ground because sometimes, you know, they were debating even to stand them up. You know, sometimes it was just a lot of stale position where you just seen Amanda, you know, getting her breath, getting her composure. And that let me know that she was in a fight. So, do I think she played it safe? Yeah, I think she played it safe, but she had to. You know what I'm saying? She was trying to win the fight. It wasn't like that. She was. It wasn't like she was so dominant over her um, that she could afford to fight any other way. You get what I'm saying? She fought the best way that she she could to win that fight. If she would have fought any different, then she may have not have won that fight. If she would have got back up to her feet and would have engaged in a striking battle, she she would have got caught because there's something that happened to her uh, when, when she's doing all that wrestling. She got tired. And Amanda was known for getting tired before, but then you start to see that old, oh, she gets tired, come back into to view. What if, she was in, what, what if, what if uh, GDR was a better grappler and was able to get back up to her feet? What if we would have seen then? You know what I'm saying? If she was a better grappler and be, was able to get back to her feet, and was able, and even smarter in a grappling exchange, is to, you know, know when she had. Because there's a couple of times where she got back in a position to neutralize the position, but then she went back in for a shot. And that's just her just not, not being, not having that mat time. You know, when you have mat time, you know, okay, I got the distance I want. Now I'm back into my world. Now I can strike. If she would have did that, it would have been interesting to see what happened.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you make a great point about the gas tank, Amanda poured out a lot in thinking she had GDR ready to be finished in that first round because she rocked her with a punch, took her down with E, slammed her. And then it was like ground and pound. You're like, oh man, this, this was one sided. This fight's going to be over in a second. And that has to, that had to do something to her in terms of like, oh crap, Jermaine's not going away. And then you add in those scary moments. And I remember two, I remember two, two quick knees in the clinch and then that one partial head kick and Amanda knew, looked like she was she was stumbling and then that up kick and then the the damn um uh triangle choke attempt
0: the triangle choke who it even like come on and it almost and it almost worked
1: it did i mean what a perform it really what a performance for Jermaine Duran be I mean, anyone that's going to argue you know Amanda should have what should have what given her a chance to win no she shouldn't have i mean if anything you're going to say look Jermaine's got to be able to stop one takedown like a you know, to have any argument in this conversation. Like, Amanda knew what she was going to easily win with. She did it. Sometimes that's what the greats do. Do you tell Floyd Mayweather, why are you not knocking these guys out? Why are you just uh, brilliantly outpointing them? No, it's what he does, right? Like, good God, Saturday night, Terrence Crawford, the watchaway champion, got into an unnecessary war, and we're all criticizing him. He Would we have said the same if Amanda right. Nunes Absolutely. just started throwing bombs? I get all that. But it's almost a weird moral victory for GDR in this one
0: it it really it really is man she um she she went out there and she did she she exceeded my expectations because honestly speaking, I thought the fact that Amanda Nunez beat her the first time and submitted her within the first round, I thought there's no way that g d r was going to be able to close that gap of understanding of how to even stop a submission, and I thought she was going to find herself right back in that position because amanda Nunez is a black belt in jiu jitsu and g d r is a blue belt at most you know if if she if she's even that you know what i'm saying and i don't wanna you know i don't wanna speak you know make it makes she's a complete novice, but at the end of the day you know she's not what amanda Nunez is, and here's the thing there's so many times where people go against somebody who has the ability to take them down and do what amanda did to her uh with with the grappling and they say you gotta work on your take down the take down the fence take down your fence i would i would say you know what the takedown defense isn't as important sometimes as the ability to get back up to your feet. You see what I'm saying? I think if anything, when you go against somebody who is that level of wrestling, you know you're going to get taken down at some point. But it's how you work on getting back up to your feet that's going to make the difference in a fight. And I think more focus should have been focused on just getting up to your feet and getting that separation
1: absolutely uh is there anyone outside of a third fight with Shevchenko? and they did ask Valentina on Friday she was in town for that uh press conference announcing UFC 247 where she'll be co-maining with John Jones and Dom Reyes in the main event and, and she said look that fight's inevitable it will happen i don't know the time but the timing will be perfect blah 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 is there anybody else in the interim and just to give you a uh an update uh i Irene Aldana had a KO from hell that's what I was thinking yeah (laughs) where you're just like holy crap after losing every second of the first round that catapulted her name and sort of pushed the unbeaten Ketlin Vera down a notch whether it's that whether it's Aspen Ladd is there anybody you think could or should be next with Amanda where you'd actually be entertained
0: I think Aspen Ladd could be somebody very interesting but I think that Aspen is like one or two fights away from being there mentally speaking far as having that confidence you know I think that she's got some very very uh uh really good stand up um she's got a hard nose to her but i think that you know she's still she, she's kind of almost too polite in there a little bit you know what i'm saying she's almost too polite i, I wish that she would be more of an asshole a little bit just so just <laughs> just, just so i mean just so she can kind of grow into that to that dog that i see that's in her That it's right beneath the surface you know well,
1: did you see the She's, coach bring it out of her in her last fight two weeks ago? Did you see that in between rounds? Yeah, I
0: seen it. I seen it, and she came. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's that's that. That's what I see Aspen like. I can see Aspen Lad tapping into that more and becoming that that force in the weight class. And I think that with a couple fights coming from that place of fighting. I think she definitely can be a contender.
1: Yeah, that's a fight I want to see. It's like she, I, I agree with you. She almost needs a couple more, but there's no time for a couple more. She's number two at 135. The UFC has still never put out rankings for 145 pounds. I couldn't even tell you another women's featherweight right now who who could <laughs> or should be next. I mean, I'm probably I'm being ignorant to that, but it's like I mean, there's just there's just nobody. I, I'm sure Amanda wants to maybe uh, you know defend that 145 belt next, but. Uh, Wow. It's an interesting time. That's what happens when you, when you just, you destroy people and you clean it out. It's crazy, though. If GDR would have won that this weekend, she would have been a two division champion and would have been a, he's still a 46 and 0 retired kickboxer. Like that would have, that would have, I don't know if we're ready to live in a world where Jermaine Duranami is a, is a two, two time champion, like two division champion. It would (laughs) have been wild. It's crazy. All right. We got to roll quickly through a couple other points from this card so we can look ahead on the week to come. But, uh, talk about moral victories this week. Rashad, Josie Aldo, one thirty five. Um, he's legit. He's he's friggin' legit. And the comments he's making about I should have been at this weight class all the time. My whole career, I never had a nutritionist before. I never felt this great. Now his performance against Marlon Meraisha, disputed split decision loss, really wasn't perfect. He had a lot of issues with Marlon's speed in the first round. But when he made that adjustment and just became the slugger, and when you mix in there his channiness, power at this weight class, and his technique and he's basically just waiting to counter and knock dudes out this is a this is gonna be a fun guy to watch and no wonder why henry Segudo's like uh hey hey dana can i fight jose next like i want his name in this fight but that'll also be a fun ass fight i don't think he can make it but what was your your thoughts on jose coming out of
0: this i thought he looked phenomenal I, I mean when you cut that amount of weight and you always worry the fact that okay how much weight did he cut because at the end of the day when you cut that amount of weight you know, you're not going to be able to replenish your body in enough time where you're going to be able to compete at the highest level because when you cut that amount of weight, you're it, it takes away from the amount of fluid that can go around your brain to absorb a shot, to absorb a punch. So I thought for sure he's not gonna be able to make it past the power of Marlin. Even though he may make weight, he may be able in good shape, he's not gonna be able to sustain a big blow because the hydration factor. He showed something different. He showed that he was hydrated. He showed that he had more energy. And actually, honestly speaking, it looked as if like Marlon was kind of banking on the fact that he would be in an energy deficit because of the weight that he cut too. And Marlon was a bit surprised the fact that he came out and he was pushing the pace that he did. But that's what I've seen from that fight. i I seen, him, I seen him just pushing the pace on Marlon. Um, I know how Marlon can fight. I know how Marlon – uh, fought under Mark Henry. And maybe that's where I'll judge it from because this was his first fight not being with Mark Henry. And let me tell you the significance of that. The significance of that is the fact that everyone knows that Mark Henry has, or well, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you now. Mark Henry, he has an extreme play calling or codes that he does for his fighters. So there'll be a code that syncs with a fight, a punch combination. So it can be like jab, cross, hook, kick. And that'll be... You know, named after Marlon's daughter or another loved one of Marlon that he has in his, in his life or whatever that's, that that strikes him. So he has all these codes and he can give a complete combination just by saying one word. So that's a, hu- a huge line of communication. And all Mark Henry's fighters, they learn to listen to what Mark is saying. We learn it in training because Mark would be like, you know, he, he'll, he'll yell something out and then you just have to know what he's talking about. And that's how he communicates to his fighters. So there's a – and they had that communication since Marlon came over to New Jersey, and it's something they had to build. So when Marlon didn't have him in his corner, I was kind of nervous that that might be an issue. And then when I watched Marlon fight, I I, I felt like it was an issue because what I seen from Marlon, I seen Marlon just very indecisive on what combination or what to throw at a moving forward – Jose Aldo and I was like, damn, he's really missing Mark Henry right now. Uh,
1: indeed, indeed, uh, he he, scr- he scratched a victory that I I want to say disputed instead of anything like controversial because I really felt in the second half of that third round, Jose kind of took his foot off the gas pedal and allowed Marlon to kind of constantly jump in with some sneaky jabs and lead shots, and it just seemed like Jose wasn't closing the show strong enough, and I and I was I felt bad for him because I scored it two to one for him. But I felt that you could have given it to Marlon. Two of the three judges did. And I really feel like this would have put him right in a title shot because he's got, he's that name. He's still 33. He told me, mark my words. I'm going to win a title in this division. Like I'm going to be the next champion. Him versus Henry Sehudo is suddenly one of the, the, the most anticipated fights I would want to make in a division that's overflowing with credible contenders like Petra Jan, who just sent, uh, Mr. Faber to hell in the fight before that. So it's wild, man. I, I don't think Jose, uh, is, you know, is the same guy as Featherweight Destroyer by any means, but in this weight class with that chin and power, man, and that willingness to fight, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna end some dudes
0: he really is. And, and and here's another thing, you know, everyone, he has to fight still respects and understand that That's Jose Aldo. You know what I'm saying? He still carries that. That's Jose Aldo. And, you know, he, he may have had his, his troubles and, 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 you know, consistency winning fights, but the respect is still there. People still respect his name. Contenders still respect him when they got to step on the line to fight that guy. And I think that he, uh, he's definitely somebody in this weight class to be watched and to be feared but but another thing i, w- I want to talk about this judging that night i didn't agree with the judging at all i thought the judging was the worst that has been in a long time
1: so for just this fighter for ju- in general
0: in general i thought i thought the judging was bad the whole the whole night like even like when kamaro's fight was it ended but the scoring came out and they had kamaro I think losing a fight.
1: Yeah, he well, he was up three to one on one card. One card was even entering the fifth, and the other card had uh, Colby up. Colby up.
0: He was going to lose. They were going. He was going to lose a fight if it went to judges. That's what it seemed like to me.
1: It's interesting. It's very interesting what they're seeing, and and yeah, there's always been a major problem in scoring in MMA because you're using the old boxing
0: system. But um, but here's a pro- but here's a problem with the ju- the, that judge in that night. Every fighter who was fighting and they pushed the action. They weren't rewarded for pushing the action at night. It was a guy on the outside moving and avoiding that got the the nod, and it was just perplexing to me because a big part of controlling a fight is controlling where the fight takes place at. If I'm if I'm walking you down and I'm controlling where the action takes place, then you have to give me credit for controlling where the action is taking place. You can't give it to the guy who's avoiding action to not get hit. You know, it's the guy who's Okay, I'm ten toes down. I'm here. Okay, you're moving. I'm ten toes down, and I'm here. And if I can keep on making you do that, then I'm controlling. I'm controlling the octagon. Yeah,
1: I mean, if you make somebody skip to your loo, and you will skip to my loo, well, <laughs> then 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 that's the bottom line. You 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 may, no. I'm, I'm that's ring generalship right there. I mean that that's that's something. I don't feel like I don't feel like these guys know what they should be judging. I really feel like we're in such a we're lucky there isn't isn't worse uh, issues that break out from that, but. Um, Moraes will not get a title shot by any means, having been stopped by Sahudal. This is a, a big win for him to stay in that picture, but this is a crowded title picture. Aljo's recovering from injury. Petra Peoche, Peter Jan, uh, did really what he was supposed to do. He brutally finished, uh, Uriah Faber in round three. Shout out to 40 year old Uriah Faber for taking an insanely dangerous fight with the hope, and he looked great, by the way, before. Jan, really, the, the youth in power just started to break him down. He took a fight that could have listed him to a sneaky title shot. I mean, Faber, if he would have got by Jan, we could have been talking about him trying to get that backdoor Bisping les- legacy of, of finally securing that title. But he didn't. I feel like it's it's uh, Peyoche, stop. Uh, can I brutal that anymore? How how are we supposed to say it, Rashad? <laughs> Peyote, pe- Peruta, p- Peter? Piota. Uh It's his time. It's his time. Sandhagen's in this division, too. But could you freaking uh, get your mouth watered anymore for Cajujo Jan? I mean, that would be violence.
0: That would be it would be so violent. And, and Jan impressed me so much that fight because you know he started off really really slow and very very patient. And it was like, okay, is he gonna is he gonna open up? You know, or is he just you know you couldn't tell if he was being patient or was it the fact that Uriah was giving him some problems that was giving him some hard time to kind of sort sort it through. You know, but by the um by the second round when you start to see him catch Uriah you started to see oh so he was just waiting for the perfect you know like you can see the strategy behind it and uh you, you seen it, it was like he was just it, it seemed to me like he could have took him out any time that he wanted to but he was just getting that getting the rounds in but i mean i i was, I was impressed with, with Uriah because i felt as if like um uriah he if if he would have uh well i i felt like he had the power and definitely he has those punches that can catch that can catch yon and i felt at times that he did come close to catching yon but you know Jan was just i don't know you know just just a, a little bit too strong i think
1: he was he's he's sick and he's a uh... He's a badass. You talk to him, you, you sense it and see in the video afterwards and the, and the tweeting he did at Cody Garbrand of, uh, of getting in his face and getting him all wound up. Uh, Jan, Jan's got that evil side to him, like in a good way. Like, like this guy could, this guy's championship material. I mean, look, I don't know if he's good enough to beat Cejudo, but that would be fun to watch. And, you know, you look at this division, like I mentioned, Aljo, Sanhagen, Suncio's not going anywhere. Pedro Munoz lingering. You got Aldo now. Faber is still around if you want to make fun old guy fights. Uh, Dominic Cruz is not dead. Last time I checked. Rob Dom Font Cruise, rising. Dominic
0: Cruz is coming back.
1: I mean, this is, you want to, I mean, Jimmy Rivera is still around. There are so, Cody Garbrandt making his comeback fight. Uh, who did he, who did he sign with? I, I, I forgot that. Did you see who Cody signed to come was back with Cody? Cody Garbrandt?
0: No, I don't, I didn't see who was fighting.
1: I have to look that up. Um, there are just, just a, a plethora. Oh, he's I mean, going to fight Rafael Esonso.
0: Okay, okay. And it's an exciting fight for Cody because Cody is, is now training in New Jersey with Mark Henry and there those guys. Are. So it'd be good to see how Mark Henry's play calling style works with a guy with hands like. Uh, Cody Garbrandt. I
1: really want to see Cody put put the train back on the tracks, man. I he really
0: too, want man. to. He, he, he's one of my favorite strikers in there because the way he throws punches, it reminds me of a a Shane Mosley. You know what I'm saying? Like the way he, the way he his punching style reminds me of Shane Mosley, and Shane Mosley was one of my favorite boxers. And
1: uh, and who just got the nod to the Hall of Fame for next year, by the way? in a badass class: Juan Manuel Marquez, Bernard Hopkins. That's that's a not not that's a bad trio class. right there. Uh, yeah, Garbrandt, dude, like. It Like it, it has fallen apart. He has gotten too, too willing to brawl all those things that you can say, but it's like, go back and watch the Dominic Cruz fight. If he can get poised again, yeah, he's a, it, he's a nasty dude. He's there's, there's a lot to work with there. I'm hoping he can do it. Uh, big wins for welterweight, Jeff Neal. Uh, he says he's two or three fights away from a title shot. Uh, I, I might speed that up. I might speed that up because you look really damn good. Look, Mike Perry's a guy that's going to brawl with you, but that was a good-ass win. Um, I want to close by saying, uh, should I be woken up now to featherweight Chase Hooper, this 20-year-old? I do nothing oh about this guy God. coming in. Good Lord, did you see him escape that guillotine and then put it on Daniel Tamer?
0: My goodness, I was very impressed with that kid, man. I mean for one making it through that adversity. You know what I'm saying? And against a guy like Tamer, Tamer can crack and the first thing is when you get cracked with a good shot, you're thinking like, "Oh my gosh, do I really want to do this?" But he found a way to uh to get it done and get it done the way that he does it. And um he's got he's got some huge upside. He's a big kid, a big kid. And and a kid like that, he's going to grow into his weight class and you know, he's not as proficient on his feet, but with size like that, it, it takes you know a few camps to to bring him around.
1: And how about that uh, triangle choke where he's basically sitting on Tamer's neck and just putting some elbows down?
0: I mean, oh that my was, gosh, that was just vicious.
1: There were there some good instincts that Hooper showed in this in this whole fight. Very poised, very calm. You know, certainly looks like he doesn't belong in terms of just looks like a floppy-haired kid, yet goes in there and, and can bring it. So
0: Dude, that's a testament to that show. That Contender Series, it is finding them. It, it is. is. finding Oh, you see Puna Haley-Soriano
1: with the, with the KO in the opening
0: uh, bout on Saturday. Puna, I know, I know. i know Puna for a while because he's one of uh, Ali's, Ali management team. He's yes. the, he was the management team, so I would work with him with that, but uh he uh, another amazing fighter.
1: So I walked behind Ali on the way to T Mobile the other day, uh, for like ten minutes. Uh he was in his sweats. He was you know, he had that scowl on his face that said, I'll I'll you know, I'll take you down if you look at me wrong. Uh he's a thick dude, man. Is he is he in the gym five days a week? This guy's
0: Yeah, he 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 trained. he trains like a fighter, man. He trains like a fighter, he trains with his fighters. Um, you know, Ali Ali for the for the most part, uh he was my main trainer partner when I fought Sean Salmon. And, wow. at Jackson's. Yeah, Ali was my main trainer partner for for a while. And that's how we we uh that's how we connected. Cuz he's my main training partner. You J-
1: ever put that head kick on Ali like you did like you like you that's, Sean that's, where, that's
0: where I actually I perfected it by doing <laughs> it on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that story.
1: I got to no, I got to ask him on camera about I, that. I got to get his take on that absolutely. Uh good night to fights. We got some news to uh check out as we roll forward just before we turn the microphones on here. Uh, This was a shocker to me. 30-year-old Rory McDonald, former Bellator welterweight champion, fresh off that somewhat bizarre, odd, slow loss to Douglas Lima in their rematch, very tactical bout, has signed a deal with PFL, Rashad, and will enter their $1 million welterweight tournament next year. Did not see this coming. Good move? What do you think?
0: Oh, man. Um... I don't know if it's a good move, and here's why I don't know it's a good move because, in this, in this, the PFL, their, um, their whole model and the way they do it is, is tournament style, you know. So you're you're in the fire the whole time, and, it, and it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's a huge upside, and, and it's cool because you have seasons and you have some time off, but for the most part, you're in the fire, you're in a tournament, and
1: what do you got to fight four or five times in a year?
0: Four, yeah, four or five times in a year. So it's not, it's not. I mean. It, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, and and that, and that's why I think that I'm not too sure about this move for Roy. I mean, you do have the huge financial side to win a million dollars, and maybe he want to win a million dollars and just you know, sail off into the sunset and be done. Maybe that maybe that's his plan. But the, the the truth of the matter is, he's gonna have to fight a lot, and he's gonna have to fight a lot of younger guys who you know are up and coming, who are, you know who are hungry, who don't really have a name, and those guys are the hardest guys to fight sometimes just because of the fact that they don't know any better you know what i'm saying they don't know any better and, and the fact that they're they're so uh you know they're they're so green and they and they're up and coming and they have their eyes full of what the mma world could be they're not jaded yet like 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 he's jaded you know and i just don't think that the pfl was was probably the best move for him i mean it depends on how he, he, if this is his last year, I would say go PFL. But if not competitively speaking, then I'm like, ooh, you should have went somewhere else. I mean, else.
1: You, you would have to assume he's getting, I don't know how the the structure works. Do you, I mean, you win a million if you win the tournament, but he's getting probably paid handsomely on the side of that, you guess, right?
0: Yeah. So you get, you get your regular fight contract. In your regular fight contract, you, you do, um you do like two fights, two or three fights. And those two or three fights, you have to qualify. For the playoffs, you can play qualify for playoffs for those two or three fights. So at those two or three fights, they're going to be at your regular pay, whatever your bait, whatever your regular pay is. But then once you get to the payoff, the playoffs, then you're not going to get your regular pay every single time you fight. You're going to get like a, a playoff, um, playoff money. Like, Interesting. You know, playoff salary. I
1: mean, look, it's great name value for PFL, but I don't know, man, what we saw in the last few months, I just don't feel like he's going in the right direction that, that, that the, uh. That the that the old red king's still in there.
0: I just I just think right now for him, and this kind of proves it. Like it with the, with the uh, the PFL sign, like it's it's a money grab, and he knows that it's short time and and his his mindset of of oh I want to be the best fighter in the world and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like you know I'm going to compete. I enjoy competing, but for the most part, I'm going to make this money and spend time with my family.
1: Can cannot hate him if that's the direction he wants to go. Like, I, he's, it's like weird. We know he's great, right? We've seen it. We saw him at yeah. UFC, but he's got a really sneaky, great resume when you go back and look at it. You know, the wins over Diaz and Woodley. I mean, he, you know, he's he's done some big things. Uh, wins over Douglas Lima on top of that. Uh, he's, he's had a, he's a, he's a classy guy too. Just don't know. He
0: really is. Yeah, he is, he is. He is. He's very hard to read. <laughs> yeah, you
1: don't know when you, when you talk to him whether he'd, uh, Whether he might just accidentally carve you up in a second. You just, you know, you're just (laughs) not really sure what's going to happen next. Uh, he's a very introspective dude there. Um, Rashad, do you see all this, this not this, I want to say nonsense. All this talk about Clarissa Shields wanting an MMA fight, wanting a two fight series with Amanda Nunes. She was at the UFC card this weekend. She's trying to make noise saying, I'll do an MMA fight as long as they are willing to sign for a boxing match against me. Ariel Hawani of ESPN just came out with a piece that said, "Forget that talk. She should be going after Kayla Harrison from the PFL. They're closer in weight. Blah blah blah." Uh, I don't. I don't really care. I don't really. I don't really see it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, I, I think if Amanda Nunes would have had a fight where she just completely, you know, dominated GDR on her feet with the hands, then I think maybe uh, having kayla and 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 um amanda fight on the ufc promotion boxing promotion that that would make sense you know i think they can get a couple bites for that i think that's a very interesting and intriguing matchup but i mean i don't i mean clarissa i mean she she came to mma that, that would be interesting as well too but for the most part i don't think people are woken up on who clarissa is in order to get really excited about her potential and what she can do to mma i fully
1: agree i think it's a smaller payday and care level if she tried to cross over then She would realize, um, if she wanted to do like a, like, look, Bellator will give you the right opponents. Bellator will match you up the right way. You want to go over there and try this, this crap out. You can probably fight somebody who's Owen two and go have fun with it and maybe just stand up and knock them out. It'd be curiosity, but this ain't, this ain't Maymac Rashad. So, uh, there's no upside for Amanda Nunes other than like, hey, Clarissa, do you want to come over? I'll fight. You know, I'll defend my title against you in your debut. Outside of that, there's really no upside in doing anything like this.
0: I agree. A hundred percent.
1: Also in the news this week, uh, people going nuts. That uh, looks like our good friend Vitor Belfort, who signed with one, is uh, – <laughs> He's in the gym, Rashad. Uh, I don't know if he's at the doctor's office, too, but he's at the gym. And uh, you remember Mohawk TRT tour from 2013, who was just yeah. spin kicking dudes to the next uh, planet? That yep. guy looks like he might be back. Please don't tell me <laughs> that 40-year-old Rashad Evans, who's putting around the idea of a comeback, is considering going near that monster, please? Because I don't know if he'd pass a uh, a test on any planet right now.
0: Well, he trains. At, he trains at the same gym I train at.
1: Oh, so you've been seeing him?
0: Yeah, I've been seeing him. Yeah, I've been seeing him. So yeah, I've, I've been seeing Vitor, and we've been training together. And he he looks phenomenal. He look he look, he absolutely looks phenomenal. He looks like he actually looks better than than he did back in the Scary Dimes, just because. Um, you know he, he's he's figured something out he, it looks like he's figured something out he's he he comes to the gym no lie this guy comes in he's there for like three hours he has like a three hour routine that he does he comes in there early before anyone gets in there and then he's like the last one to leave so he does like a good three hour routine he comes about like uh i think two or three times a week and he does this three hour routine and he he looks phenomenal
1: that guy looks like a it looks scary he looks scary he uh, yeah. you
0: know, does we train we train together he's, he's pretty he's pretty on point too
1: if they want to line them up with a few tomato cans there uh I'd, I'd be i'd be into that i'd be i'd be fine in the stream i'd be tuning in
0: there uh, I, I didn't think he was gonna fight though for a while because it seemed like he was just like they just got him and inquired him and he, they weren't doing anything with him but now he, he i see him getting ready like he's in prep mode so maybe he has a date maybe he has an opponent maybe he has a, a time frame in mind when they expect him to uh, have a fight Wild, wild
1: stuff. Uh, I wanted to get your take on a uh, story that broke out. We know that Connor's coming back against Cowboy Cerrone January 25th, UFC 246. Big news will be one of the bigger pay-per-views of the year. And by the way, has kind of a sneaky good undercard for a card that isn't loaded. It's got some some names and fights I want to see. But Dana basically straight up admitted this past weekend that if Connor wins this welterweight bout, in which Dana said was booked that way so that Connor didn't have to, Cut back down to 155, the division that he's in, the division that he's the former champ in, the division that he wants a title shot in, that he would get the next shot at Habib if Habib beats Tony in April and if Connor beats Cowboy at welterweight. Uh, There's a lot of issues people have had with that because one, Justin Gagey, who is red hot fire, got passed up for Connor, and now would seem to get passed up for a Habib shot or the winner of Habib Tony. Unless an immediate rematch was needed, um, are you okay with this preferential treatment to a star who, if anyone would deserve it, I, I guess maybe him for just saying, "Yeah, don't even worry about cutting to fifty-five, bro. We just, we just want you back. And if you win, yeah, sure, you get another title shot. That's that's no problem. You're the number one contender at fifty-five. I don't care what weight you're in.
0: This ain't no. cool. No, no, no. And, and, and this is this is why. Listen, I, I get it. Like he's the superstar, and, and he has he can bring some big numbers and you want to see him return back to the Conor of all. you know, you want to see him return back to days of grace, but here's a reality of the situation. Like you can't, you can't do that at the expense of the integrity of the sport, because once you do that, you ruin it for the people who, who really like compete because they want to be the best, you know? And, and, and when you make it, about a popularity contest and you make it about anything other than about going in there and proving that you're the best with your hands and your feet, then you, you ruining, you ruin the sport. And it may manna, not manifest in that one fight that we're speaking of, but it's the downward step to other downward steps that lead to the demise of the sport. You get what I'm saying? And That's I know that wrong. sounds a little extreme, well, but w- what I'm saying is...
1: Brock Lesnar almost got a title shot last year when he came back from a steroid test, so it's in line with that type of stuff, yeah.
0: It, it, it ruins it. It ruins it because even even, even on a couple couple of different cases, for one, as an athlete, I'm Justin Gaethje. I work my butt off to get to where I am, but then I get passed over because of a popularity contest. Now that jades me as a fighter, you know, and, and now... I'm I'm different on the inside because of because of that. You know what I'm saying? And you know that may not be that may be a good thing or maybe a bad thing for my career. Who knows? It all depends on how he internalizes that. But then you also have a fan who is a purist of it and just want to see the best guys compete. Then it ruins it for them because they're like, "Oh, man, this is this isn't what I thought it was. This isn't the sport that I started to follow. This isn't about as real as it gets. This is about, you know, you know, hand picking your guys and this guy wins. This is not the sport that I, I I believe in anymore. So then you started losing fans in that respect. So
1: these are the times Rashad, where I just wish Dana would go, Look guys, Connor's the biggest selling fighter in this promotion's history. It is what it is. And I think people would just go, Yeah, I got issues with it, but he's not wrong. But instead when he's just like, I don't see a problem. These are two uh, yeah. these are two lightweights Fighting in a uh, you know in a basically a lightweight bout in which they don't have to make lightweight, it's no problem. It's like, well, how many other fighters, if you didn't force them to make weight in their division in which they have a tough weight cut, could look absolutely fantastic and work their way into title contention? If you're just like, you know, yeah, it's it's crap.
0: It's uh, it, it, it 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 is crap, and, and the worst part about it is the fact that here's here's a you 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 are you continue to spoil somebody. Who has had bad behavior? What do you think is gonna happen? He's gonna continue to be terrible. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna, it's not gonna fix the behavior problem that that you that you see because you're showing them that, hey, despite no matter how you cut up, yeah, we still will bend the rules for you. You know what I'm saying? And that's, and that's the thing that that kind of, it kind of ruins, it kind of ruins it. You know?
1: I'm with you on that. I'm with you for sure. Uh, we got a couple fights to look at this weekend. There's a pair of Bellator bouts in Hawaii. I'm not going to say they're necessarily great. Bellator 235 on Friday night, a duel showing on Paramount Network and DAZN. Bellator 236 on Saturday night, streamed exclusively on DAZN. But I'll say this, Rashad. I love how they've marketed women's flyweight champion Alima Leigh McFarlane. She's like a national hero in Hawaii. We know for years Hawaii is this hotbed of of rabid fans. Um, I'm definitely going to tune in for for that atmosphere when she defends Saturday night against Kate Jackson because they've already proven that that it it it, it matters when she's there in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to tune in too because, like you said, you know she she's an exciting fighter to watch, and um, you know. The thing, the thing I like about what, what Bellator is doing, and, and they're 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 going, they're going to to Hawaii, and UFC hasn't been to Hawaii in a long time, and you know it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see you know the, the environment there because you know I went to a few undercard, I mean small shows there, and the fans there they go absolutely bananas, bananas, it's packed for like super small shows because a lot of shows don't go there, and there really is nothing else to do on the island, so that's why they're also big fight fans, so. I think Bellator is going to have a huge turnaround of both days.
1: You know, I'm not ever into the idea of these back-to-back shows in the same city. It's like, uh, can we just make one show and make it really good? But uh, there's a couple of things worth looking at. Josh Barnett, former UFC heavyweight champion will be making his Bellator debut. His first fight Rashad, since 2016 in the UFC, when he submitted Andre Arlovsky, then he had the somewhat wrongful USADA suit that followed. He's going to main event against Ronnie Marks. Uh, it's it's amazing that this man is still fighting. It's amazing that he's only forty two, Rashad. I feel like Josh burnett has been in my MMA life for like three decades right now.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's that's pretty crazy. But he's uh he's one of those 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 uh, those old goats that just stays around and found a way to do it, you know. But he's got a tough one against Ronnie Marks. I watched Ronnie Marks train at the Olympic train. I mean Olympic the uh, the Performance Institute, and he's this past weekend. And he was looking really, really good. He was uh, training with Glover Teixeira, so Teixeira has him looking really, really sharp. You know, um, big guy, big guy, huge legs. You know, and uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'll tell you that. Absolutely,
1: I, I'm a big fan. Do you know this this uh, women's flyweight, Alejandra Lara. They call her Azul. She's got a fight against Veda mm-hmm. Ortega on Friday night. She lost to Limalay McFarland in the past at for the flyweight title trying to make a comeback for the for a rematch uh she's marketable she's she's uh she's a very good looking lady okay i'm gonna be cheering for on friday all right brandon tells me to stop talking like that but <laughs> look, it's 2019 okay uh, it, people can talk about stuff like that okay so uh we'll shout out to azul we'll see her there also the co main on saturday uh featherweights aj mckee and Derek campos uh yeah can i have that please
0: yeah, yeah, this is part of that I,
1: tournament, right? Both guys coming I, off of wins. That'll be a good ass piece of business there. And we're only a week away from Fedor Rampage when Bellator and Risen get to catch together. My boy, the
0: ass kicking machine, Jason Jackson is returning. He, oh, uh, yes. off of, you know,
1: against Kichi Kunimoto.
0: Yeah, yeah. The ass kicking machine is right, back. Every time
1: you tell me to look out for somebody, they they get a knockout win. So
0: well, he almost beat Ad la I mean, he should have beat Ruth Ruth. Yeah, last he time. dropped he got him a bunch. Of on, he got robbed on that decision. So.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, this weekend though, Saturday morning, Busan is the backdrop in South Korea for a UFC fight night. A pretty damn good main event. Brian Ortega is injured; he's out. But you're going to see Korean Zombie Chan Sung Jung and Frankie Edgar on short notice. Frankie Edgar was going to Bantamweight. Now he's back here to save this card at 135. Supposedly he's supposed to fight Corey Sandhagen in a month at Bantamweight. Bad idea, UFC. Can we just cancel that and see what happens here? Either way, Rashad, uh, this is going to be a fight. This is going to be a damn fight Saturday morning.
0: It is, too. And this is the perfect frankly, Frankie to catch, too, because... I always find that Frankie, you know, he, he works so hard and sometimes by the end of his camp, he's done worked himself into a couple injuries just because of his work rate and how hard he goes. So having a short camp, having a short time to think about, you know, all the things that goes into a fight and everything like that, that is perfect for a guy like Frankie who's, you know, on, on the back half of his his career and just looking to go out there and compete and have fun. Because this is what it's all about. If you can just only compete and have fun as an older guy, you would do it all the time. But it's all the training camp and the bumps and bruises that your body accumulates through training that makes you say, you know what, maybe I should sit my ass down some more. But now he's got a short camp and he's got a fighter he can get up against. He's got a fighter who he can exploit because you know, he has some holes. He has a lot of holes and a lot of holes that a very brilliant Mark um, Mark Henry can exploit.
1: That's what I like about this fight. Very winnable, yet at the same time, hellaciously dangerous. A Korean Zombie comes for your soul. And that w- one-punch knockout in June of uh Hanato Moicano, or actually a couple knockdowns mixed in there and a bunch of flurries, uh, that was vicious. So that was a big comeback win for Korean Zombie coming off that just bad luck loss in the final seconds to Yair Rodriguez the year before. This is interesting. This is very much an interesting fight. Korean Zombie's really only ever two wins out of a title picture because he's so marketable and fun. And for Frankie, it's like, what if he came here and won this? Does he stay at Feather? You never really know. You know, you hope he doesn't take any damage. You hope. I just hope no matter what, they don't rush him back a month later to fight Sandhagen on another, you know, another continent. Like, can we stop with old guys? fighting twice in a month like there's no na- did we not learn a lesson with michael bisping right when he sold his soul to oh, kevin Gaston on yeah. that time
0: <laughs> oh my goodness i forgot all about that yeah uh, that was that was a bad one
1: either way this is a fun ass fight and it's going to be worth waking up for are you moved at all about this co-main event you see you see a knockout coming when vulcan Ozdemir and alexander rakic get together light heavyweights
0: you know um i do you know because because they, they got uh they they got that that same same similar style, you know, and I feel as if like um Vulcan, you know, he, he wants to prove himself again. You know, he's still kinda on the recovery from that 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 epic year that he had, you know, that, that epic whirlwind year where he you saw him going title for the you know, you fight for the title and then he had that dude, year dude, where things go his way and now he's kinda rebuilding, making everything okay, you know, now I'm back here, now I'm back in um i'm back in europe you know getting used to his whole flow and everything over there so i think it, I, I want i look forward to seeing you know how, how vulcan has changed his game around and adapted to his the newness of everything he's experienced in his last year
1: absolutely that to be an interesting fight the only other fight i'm of really of note that i care about is uh do who choi is back rashad the korean superboy Love me some of this guy. We haven't seen him, though, since January of 2018. You'll remember that fight of the year lost to Cups Swanson. He comes back almost a year, basically a year and a half later, gets knocked out by Jeremy Stevens in a war. Then we haven't seen him in almost two years. He's going to come back against Charles Jourdain. He's only 28 years old, but can he put it together? Because his first couple of fights when he came in the UFC, it was like, damn, this guy's going to be something special.
0: I think he can put it together. And I think the fact that he's been off for two years, it has, you know, should give a peek into the side of that because, you know, a lot of times when guys are off and they, they've had those battles that, that we've seen him in, you know, they go back and, and they, and they work on things that go back to the drawing board and kind of tighten up their technique. And I, and I like to believe that, you know, Superboy has went and done that. Um, but like I said, it remains to be seen. So it's interesting, you know, and it'll be good to see him to get in his groove and get in his rhythm and just kind of see if we can get more of those exciting fights from him.
1: I love this guy because he's either going to knock you out or, I I mean, I don't want to say there's a stereotype of Asian fighters in both sports that they'll just, they'll just, they'll go for it, but they'll go for it. Rashad in, uh, in Korean Superboy, as we saw against Cub Swanson will friggin' not go away. So it's, uh, it's wild. If he gets into a war at any point, he's going to empty out the jug to try to win that. And, and that's, uh, scary and humbling and fun to watch and, uh, and wild. So, uh, <laughs> it could, it could lift him to the top. It could get him into some trouble. You never know there, but, uh, big fan of that guy. Uh, that'll wrap up the MMA portion of this week. Rashad, I gotta, I gotta check your pulse here. All right. It's holiday season coming up. Christmas around the corner, but Friday, December 20th, Star Wars episode nine. The Rise of Skywalker. Are you in? Are you fired up? Do you get down like that?
0: Oh, I get down like that. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Been there that way since I was a kid. So um, it's interesting. The Star Wars world is is pretty interesting. The, you know, The Mandalorian came out on Netflix. is a good, good series. So uh, a lot of interesting things happen in the Star Wars world.
1: Now, what's your plan? Are you going to be an opening night guy? Or are you going to wait to hear the buzz and check in over, You know, a couple days later? How like how in tune are you with this film coming out? Are you are you like
0: I'm an opening night guy. I gotta see. I'm gonna see it opening night just because of the fact that I know some really big Star Wars fans. So I'm not gonna get the chance to you know. Hear about they—they mess around and tell me the whole thing. Well, him, a chance to see Colby will right away. Colby
1: Covington will straight up spoil the ending. You got to be careful, all right? He's done that before. <laughs> uh, do you have any hopes, predictions? Any—I uh I mean, who—who is—who is raised parents? What are we going to find out? Is this the last know, one? Right. What's going to happen here? It can't be the last one. They, they, this is I can't,
0: it, can't, it can't be the last one. I mean, Disney has it. They're not letting this baby go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, I don't think I don't think Kylo's coming out of this in one piece. All right.
0: Uh, no, no, Kyle's done. I think he's yes. gonna get all. Uh, he, he fights get, too he emotional. Banged up, get banged up.
1: Yeah, he fight, he fights way too emotional. Uh do you have any feelings about this grudge match war rematch we're gonna see Saturday on Fox and the boxing realm? Jermell Charlo Tony Harrison for the junior middleweight title. You know about this beef back and forth they got going on? It's wild.
0: I seen a bit of it. I didn't really I didn't really get into it, but it's a uh it's a beef beef, like <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. It goes back to their disputed fight uh Last December, when Harrison won, you know, one of those decisions, you're like, did he really? I don't know. But, dude, those Charlos, can. they're like, I feel like the Charlo brothers just need somebody to piss them off. And then they come out and they That's knock it. fools out. And they got it here because Charlo's accusing Harrison of uh, of ducking out when, when they canceled the rematch six months ago, that he got knocked out in sparring, that he was afraid. Like, this is like... Tune in to see some emotion. I love when fights have emotion in
0: them. I, lo- I love it too, and especially real emotion too. And that was the difference in between Kobe, Kobe's fight, and a fight like this because you know with Charlotte he can he can dig and kind of kind of find things that say things that really poke at the spirit of his opponent. You know what I'm saying? You know, missing a fight, dodging me—that really that really pokes at you. But what Kobe was saying, you know, it doesn't really poke at you because it doesn't it doesn't hit on anything real. You know what I'm saying? When you exactly. hit on something real, that's when you draw out the emotion. So that's why I think this fight's going to be an emotional fight because it, it drew on something real.
1: Absolutely. Uh, as we turn the corner here, uh, I know you're a big boxing guy. Uh, do you have any early feelings on Fury Wilder, too? Uh, Fury just changed his trainer. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got into that in the boxing show this week. What are you doing two months out from the biggest fight in your career just just, just dumping your trainer? I don't know what's going on here, Rashad.
0: I think Ferry's doing a little too much, man, I, and, and I wish that he wouldn't because he's so dang talented. And, and, and but I say he's doing too much because you have the wrestling, you have the whole MMA talks, and you have everything else that that he appears to be doing. And, and then again, this can just be you know smoke screen that he's given us, right? You know, he could be on on a low, training the best that he ever, or be more focused than he's ever been. But as it appears on the outside, it appears that he's just. You know, he's fragmented in this thought. He's fragmented on what he wants to do. And he knows that he he's the hotness right now, but he doesn't know how to divert that attention and really, you know, put it to the right area. And and that's the problem. That's where that that's when things tend to fall apart when you don't kind of know where to put the hand, you know, that you' that you're dealt, you don't know how to play it. And I feel like he needs to uh slow down a little bit, you know, and, and training you. changing your trainer Oh man, that's that's a tough one. It's weird because the trainer
1: gave, he has he had the 25-year-old trainer Ben Davison, the guy who helped him in his comeback and that guy gave weird cryptic comments like we've come to a mutual decision that we have decided like you know just all like kind of fake wording and you're like what really happened here? And then, you know, Fury is a guy who like I mean, he he's been through a lot of stuff, you know? You mm-hmm. hope he doesn't fall off any kind of wagons and one mistake as it is will get you sent to hell against Wilder. So I just want that guy, Fury, in his best shape, ready to go come
0: February 22nd.
1: It's wild. Now you got Anthony Joshua saying, I'll, I'll come train with you to help you beat Wilder because I want to fight but, you so bad. I don't get that. But, hey, that's cool. That's cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly speaking, I think that Fury, uh, Fury is, is the best boxer. He yes. is the best boxer in the weight class. Like and like, that, um, that power, though. just boxing, power. the boxing alone. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that he's a better boxer. Than Wilder, but it's just that I have never seen another human being with that kind of power. Like it is, it is different than Mike Tyson power. You know what I'm saying? It's on the same, it's on the same, you know, same path, but it's just, it's different. It's more disruptive. It's more violent. It's more just like, I don't know, it's more raw. It's raw. Yeah, and it it's is. just like when he, like when he hit Ortiz. It looked like his brains got blew out by it, it got, you know, it just it just it looked bad.
1: It's and it's like everybody's like, you know, everyone spends too much time saying Wilder's not this, Wilder's not that. The fact that he's a one hit wonder, the fact that he's like he, he could lose seven or eight rounds and then just knock you out is like the most entertaining element of this division. So it's like I don't necessarily want Wilder to be this complete animal force. Like it, <laughs> it's it's more fun when he's gonna go in there against Fury, probably be down Eight rounds to one, and then have a shot to end it at any point. You know, it's going to be great. Can't wait. Can't wait. A lot, yes. lot, lot of good stuff to come, man. We got Star Wars, we got the holidays. Enjoy. Rashad Evans, thank you for joining us. People should follow you on the social medias at Sugar Rashad, correct?
0: Yes, sir. Sugar Rashad.
1: There it is. There it is. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, wherever you're going this holiday season, Rashad. All right.
0: Thank you, thank you BC. I, I especially appreciate the happy Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Best to you and the family. Best to all our listeners. We'll be back at some point with our end of year awards. Look ahead. 2020 thoughts. But uh, for Brandon Wise, who's off this week, Sugar, Rashad Evans, it's your boy BC signing off. Follow us at State of Combat. Hit us up with that five-star review. But until then, we got two words for you. We out.